Bill is a failed skydiver and a bear sometimes he runs. Ben's always traveling, an occasional beach bum. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's BHP Town Hall. Random guests, alcohol, BHP Town Hall. Ben created Eye on Off, he's a comic book fanatic. Phil made Pyro CMS, he's probably in a kayak. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's BHP. Town Hall. Random guests, alcohol, BHP, Town Hall. Hello, welcome to episode 49 of the PHP Town Hall podcast. You have uh, myself, Ben Edmonds, and my buddy, Phil Sturgeon. We're Hello. Back from like a two month hiatus while we've been uh, traveling and being lazy in general. <laughs> This episode, we have Anthony Ferrara returning. Bill Simonson, I believe you've been on like twice now, Blue. Yep. And Woody Glick for Gilk for his uh, first appearance. So welcome, Woody. Thank you. Uh, You'll have to excuse my voice. My wife gave me some sort of throat thing, and so I'm uh, (laughs) drinking my tea and trying to get through it. All right. I like your uh, your mug there. Thank you. Yeah. Wait, what's what's on the mug for those listening at home in black and white? It uh, says featured speaker. It's from Atlanta oh, PHP. Very nice. Classy gift. All right, so today we're going to delve into the PSR 15, which is about middlewares. So uh, I guess first we're going to delve into a little bit about what's the history behind it, what is it trying to solve, things like that. So I'll go ahead and serve it up to, I guess, Bo to throw in on what is PSR 15. Yeah, so PSR 15 is uh, FIG's attempt to address uh, the question of standardizing HTTP middleware. Um, one of the big uh, complaints that we had with PSR 7 was that it didn't really do anything with any sort of like interfaces for interacting with the messages. So between clients and servers, there was really no standard way to do any of those interactions. So after a year of people playing with stuff in the wild, Fig's now turning its attention to trying to solve this problem and sort of looking at what's what's happened over the last year with, with people building these sorts of applications and these sorts of uh, systems and trying to figure out what to do to see if we can standardize it or see if Fig can standardize it. Um, I know it's a little bit tough to explain exactly because it's kind of, you know, speaking code um, out loud, but um, what is the main benefit of of standardizing the middleware, kind of the handlers or whatever, what, what is it that's being standardized in this that isn't achieved by PSR 7? Because there's a lot of middleware implementations already that, that do handle uh, middleware in PHP, but what is what is the point of 15 compared to 7? So the, the main difference is that uh, most of the middleware implementations that I've seen in the wild have all just been uh, standardizing around a callback signature. Uh, being passed in a request, a response, and then a callable to, to uh, pass on to the next middleware. Um, most of the implementations that I've seen have followed this, but not all of them have exactly, and not everyone has liked that format. So if you want to build a middleware right now, it's not necessarily clear to anybody how they should do that. So in order to be able to make that more clear, we can standardize it so that people can say, all right, if I write this middleware, it's actually going to be compatible with anybody that's trying to do PSR 7-based middleware as opposed to you know, whatever the flavor of the week is. You know, if someone else just does something differently tomorrow, um, then your middleware won't work with that framework or that, 
that base application. Yeah, and that seems like a pretty powerful thing because like uh, there's there's a bunch of implementations out there, right? There's um there's you know Stack PHP which you were involved with, mm-hmm. one of the main people on, yeah. um and, and things like that. So like a Stack PHP middleware just won't work in a middleware built by somebody else. And I think both Woody and Anthony have both built middleware systems, and they just it just doesn't doesn't fit in in the square hole. Um, so that seems like a pretty powerful thing if we can just take middlewares and just share them with anyone, right? Right. Um, I think part of the big power that we saw happen with PSR seven and the early adopters is we ended up with this very rich ecosystem that's growing all the time of micro frameworks that were based around PSR seven, and a lot of those components you could take from one framework and put them into another framework, and for the most part, they would just work. Um, and that was largely due to this sort of de facto adoption of a middleware um, signature, which we call the double pass system, where you pass in both a request and a response. And because it was all based around the PSR7 interfaces, for the most part, things worked really well, which was, you know, I mean, if we go back to Stack PHP, the entire goal, you know, Stack PHP worked because we had Symphony HTTP kernel. Um, and so you could take one, one Stack PHP implementation and go somewhere else with it, and it would work just fine as long as it was based around those HTTP kernel interfaces. Since that's not what PSR um, 7 is, it's a different set of interfaces, but it's the same general concept. And so that's where we're, that's the situation we, we see today in PSR 7 um, adopters and frameworks. If, um, one way you can look at it, if you are familiar with the Symphony ecosystem, is that PSR 7 uh, could be considered something like HTTP, HTTP Foundation, uh, whereas PSR 15 would be more considered HTTP kernel. So it's adding that extra bit of um, logic to actually facilitate communicating using the, the messages themselves. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, I see, you know, the the reason I got involved and proposed HTTP middleware, although I, w- I mean, I can't take full credit for it. It's something that's been floating out there I was basically just the one that said, all right, let's do this thing and started writing down the, writing it up in a meta document. Um, But, you know, HTTP middleware, we had this, there was such a a growing ecosystem and it was really cool to see all the different stuff that people were doing. I mean, there are some community people out there on GitHub who had written, you know, 12 or so different middlewares and just publish them for people to, to make use of however they wanted. And the only dependency was a PSR7 implementation, which is just awesome to see that kind of sharing happening out there. So uh, one question people posed is why not just use Symphony's middleware components? Why do really a separate implementation in our standard? I mean, I think the simple answer is because Symphony is not compatible with PSR7. You know, there's a bridge um, and people could certainly use that bridge to kind of make use of newer PSR7 based stuff within Symphony, but that's a one directional um, system as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Let's, let's take the question back a little bit further. It's not necessarily something I agree with, but it's something I hear a lot. And it's, you know, well, oh, the fig's stupid because X, everyone has a fig stupid because X, but. One of the most popular ones recently has been, well, the fig's stupid because they did PSR7 instead of just using Symphony HTTP Foundation or Kernel, whichever. Um, and and so, kind of jumping off of kind of PSR uh, HTTP middleware for a second and, and back to PSR7. Anyone who feels like answering the question, um, why why do you think the fig chose to make 
PSR7 for representing a message instead of just like slapping a, a PSR uh, logo on the existing Symfony implementation? Was it because the Symfony stuff was broken? Was it because the fig was bored and wanted to do something? Why does why does anyone think that that was done that way? Do you really see Zen uh, adopting Symfony's HTTP implementation or Kohana ah. or Cake or anything <laughs> like that? I, I think a lot of it comes down to ego and these these vertical markets that we have set up within our ecosystems that people just don't want to to play ball like that. Whereas if you do something through Fig, you have this kind of middle ground where everyone is equal. Um, it's certainly there are certain certainly bigger players within the Fig. Um, group itself that can sort of like push certain agendas in certain ways if they want to. But for the most part, if everyone is building to PSR7 as opposed to everyone now having to bow down and accept Symphony's HTTP foundation, I, I just don't think that that was going to work. Uh, other people might disagree, but I, I just don't see that ever happening, really. Yeah, I mean, there'll be some knee-jerk responses to that, which are like, oh, these people are ridiculous. The people running these projects are Muppets. They can't share and collaborate and whatever else. But the the larger thing of it is, you know, it, do you really want to have your project requiring a dependency in a, in a very third, third-party place where they could just change it? They could be like, oh, we know that you've just built version 9 of Drupal around this thing, but we've just dropped support for that, and we've recoded it, and we've got version 5 that's completely different, and you either need to recode your application and break all your dependencies and fuck over your users, or you need to continue to use some old broken version, right? So I think whilst, whilst Ego might sound like a kind of bad idea, that the whole not-invented-here syndrome might be a genuine concern for people like that. Um, Anthony, do you have anything? Yeah, um, knowing the people involved firsthand, Matt Weirfini specifically, um, he's one of the ones that is lesser susceptible to that, in my opinion, in the sense of there, there are some very serious concerns with why they created PSR7 instead of just using um, the kernel. I wasn't there specifically for that, that during the time, but I've had the conversation since. Um, and part of the reason was they wanted a set of message objects that could be used both for send and receive, which Symphony wasn't really set up to be able to handle the receive side. Um, sorry, the send side, the client side. But the other one was the Symphony was very much set up for you know the entire request at one time, and hence you create this object, which could make other types of more advanced use cases significantly more difficult. Um, an example of that would be if we wanted to build an HTTP server inside of PHP, where you actually were taking HTTP off the line, um, something similar and akin to how Node works or how um, the React MySQL and all of these things work. The Symfony message system it may not be the most ideal for that for a couple of different reasons. Um, it just wasn't designed for that, and that's one of the factors that was kind of included in the PSR7 design and one of the things that led to that. But I think it's just a, a complicated and nuanced system. It's not, you know, there, there, there aren't clear benefits either way. Just standardized, seven or just standardized, but I think they do solve a little bit of a different problem. I think it's also worth pointing out that when you go and, you know, have the input of a, a large, diverse group of different frameworks and people working on things, you do end up with a lot of different perspectives. And, you know, to just rubber stamp Symfony's implementation as HTTP messages in general for PHP is not necessarily ideal because there's probably things even in Symfony, you know, you get down into the multiple versions down the road and it, there are probably things you want to change about a system. And so to take a greenfield approach and, 
and really say, well, what is the best thing that we can do and what do we see happening in the future and what implementation will best suit everyone in the future is a, is a pretty reasoned and um, I think a, a good way to go. Um, and so I'm, I'm quite happy with the way PSR 7 turned out and I'm, I'm really happy to see the, the, the adoption that is happening so far. The early adopters have been producing some really interesting stuff that works um, all across the board. For, for a lot of different people and a lot of different use cases, which is kind of the mission of FIG. So I would say that's pretty successful so far. All right. Um, for a little background, I guess, on 15 in particular, is where is it at in process? Is this ratified? Is it still being voted on? Is it still in discussion phase? You know, how far along is it? And do we see any major changes coming before it's out in the wild? PSR 15 has passed the entrance vote, um, which means that it is in the editing phase currently. Um, I am the editor on it, and we have been working through a number of things that's already changed fairly dramatically since it was first um, proposed. And so we'll, FIG will continue to work on it and edit it for, for some time. Um, I don't see a lot more radical changes um, coming to it at this point. I think it's, it's pretty solid. There are still a couple of details that um, people are working through in regards to how um, some specific things happen with uh, the, the stack container, as we call it, um, which holds the middleware um, that you start processing the request through. Um, so we'll probably deal with those. But uh, other than that, I think it's pretty solid at this point. And it's, like I said, it's come a long way. You know, originally the proposal for PSR 15 was based on what was already the de facto standard that was happening out there. It was taken from, more or less, from ExpressJS um, and then implemented in SendExpressive. And so that implementation is what we call the double pass approach. Uh, it's very different than the stack PHP Symfony HTTP kernel approach, which is more of a Lambda-style approach. Um, so the double pass approach, basically, the signature is that you have a function that takes a request interface a response interface and a callable. The callable um, is then used to execute the next middleware in the stack until there are none left. Um, so, so that was pretty similar to Express, right? Where you basically just have the next and you're constantly calling the next. Exactly. It's right. it's exactly like Express. Um, pretty much exactly like okay. Express. Um, so that was the de facto standard. And when we first uh, proposed PSR 15, we thought, you know, this is this is obvious. We should just standardize something that's already out there in the wild. Everybody can agree it'll take 10 seconds to implement for all of these people that are doing middleware right now. And we can all go home and call it a day and have a beer. Um, that was quickly shot down by Anthony. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Anthony is not a big member, but he was pretty vocal in why that was not a good idea. Um, and his arguments were, were really good. Um, do you want to, Anthony, do you want to talk about why you were unhappy with that approach? Yeah, so I mean, there were a, a couple different issues with it. Um, things that stemmed from, like, bike shedding things like, like um, method naming, which, you know, we ultimately discussed and whether it matters or doesn't matter. But the, 
the big issue that I wound up having with it was when you pass both a request and a response into a method in a deeper middleware, there becomes this really interesting challenge where when I'm writing a middleware, I don't know what that re- what that response that gets passed into me as a parameter means, right? So if I assume it's a complete empty response, then that's one thing. If I assume it's a success case, it's another thing. And if I assume it's all responses, that's the third thing. And that ambiguity could, I theorize, could lead to some pretty significant issues. Um, this became a pretty big Reddit thread and went back and forth. Someone went through a lot of the packages you had mentioned earlier of people who created these middleware packages and found all the ones that modified the response prior passing into the next one. And when we looked at it, we were actually able to um, come up with cases for all but one of them where we could actually get the system into an incomplete, a inconsistent state based upon the order with which we executed uh, middleware or something like that. So one of the big things that I pushed back, I think the major design decision that I was really trying to push for, and we ultimately you know, came to, I think, a good end at, was that it's the more Lambda-style is safer for the developers because the meaning is clearer. Um, it may be a couple extra lines of code and require, you know, a factory where in the past you didn't require a factory, but the code becomes a lot more predictable. And ultimately, when we're talking about standard bodies, to me, predictability is the, the bigger factor. If we're, we're doing a micro framework where, um, you know, code length and implementation ease is the predominating driver, then the other, the other uh, methods make more sense. Um, specifically, if you're you're targeting an audience that's used to ExpressJS, but so I, I saw that issue and I raised it. We tried. We had a couple discussions online. I know Russ Tuck was also passionate about it. We talked about it on List for a while, and then there were a couple blog posts. Things got a little bit unnecessarily heated. Um, not too bad, I don't think, but a little bit unnecessary. But ultimately, we hit the uh, a good spot in the end. So I want to say thank you for that. Thanks. You know, I think for me, the real turning point was when it became clear that there there basically was a blog post after Anthony, Anthony and I had gone back and forth about this a little bit on Twitter. We had written some blog posts about it, and somebody else wrote blog posts um, pointing out that the stream interface of PSR7 is not immutable. And so you can get into this state where one middleware has written something to the stream, um, and then an exception happens. The exception handler uh, kicks in, which in most uh, micro frameworks that use BSR7 is also a middleware, and it assumes that the response is totally empty, which is the point that you were just kind of making, Anthony, where you don't know what the response state is, and so you have to make assumptions about it. And so you that exception handler assumes the response is empty, writes something to it, and now you have either a incomplete response or you have a response that's been corrupted because the uh, exception handler wrote something that was shorter than the original message body and because the, the underlying stream um, doesn't have a way to clear the entire response unless you completely replace it, you now have this un- unknown situation where you have a partial response um, written in with an exception message in the middle of it or in the beginning of it, and then some other stuff at the end, which may or may not even be the same content type as what you wanted. And so when I I looked at that, and I was like, wow, we, there's, there is no way around that. You know, we have to, we have to resolve that properly. 
and you can't resolve that by just taking the the response and making a new copy of it, you know, because with everything else in PSR seven, most things except for these streams, you just make a copy, you overwrite it, move on with your life. Because that's not possible with a stream, and you can't create a new instance of a stream, we kind of end up in the situation where a factory is an absolute necessity, and and that's once you have a factory, then there's no reason to do the double pass approach because all of the points that you were making about it being safer um, and more predictable and not having to make assumptions are completely valid. You know, my biggest resistance was this whole idea that we, we don't need a factory because we already have an empty response, but if we can't know what that response is, then we do have to have a factory. That That's, there's no other way about it. One thing that I want to ask you, fellas, um, it just, just for the kind of the lay person at home that doesn't really understand what a lot of these terms uh, mean, um, one one concrete example of something that might be a problem I feel like was was discussed in in the various blog posts is like uh, when you have a series of middlewares and one of them is setting a caching header and then the other one says oh something's wrong here we're gonna set an error message and it changes the content type and sets the dis of or twenty two whatever and sets the 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 stuff in there. And then, because it's combined with cache headers plus, you know, the, the actual body is set, you've now cached an error message. Is is that one of the things that you're concerned about? Is that resolved in this kind of new approach of how things work, or not? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that that's you know just another example of kind of the situation where you don't know what state the response is in. When you get that response, you either have to inspect it a whole a whole bunch in your all of your middleware code to see what state it's in and then make some changes based on that state or you have to assume it's an empty response and for the most part middleware that exists out there today is just assuming that it's an empty response and they can do each middleware can do whatever it wants with it um but you know as anthony said there's there's a whole list of middleware out there that proves that that's not what's actually happening and to be fair i just want to point one thing out it's not that those authors who made it that modified it beforehand were bad or weren't smart or anything like that. There are actually some incredibly smart people building some incredibly complex systems that function really, really well. It's just the nature of that design that tends to favor those potential issues, and you know, it can get you into a corner. So, yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's really hard to when you're just looking at a single middleware and you're like, oh yeah, I'll just set this header here that makes perfect sense, and you're not thinking about the exception case, it, you know, it, it's not that you're yeah. doing something wrong. It's just that you're not thinking about all the possible scenarios that that middleware can, could be um, executed in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've done the exact same thing. Like in, in Go, you have to pretty much build this entirely yourself. Um, there are a few things that have been made recently, but when I was doing that, it was do it yourself. And I definitely cached some error messages. So it can totally happen without you even really thinking about it. Um, and for those of you listening at home, I just said go, so drink. Um, <laughs> so th- this kind of leads us on to an- another thing of uh, seeing as uh, seeing as you've had this differentiation, th- there's two different major ways of, of building middleware. There's probably a million, but there were two main approaches that were originally being kind of outlined by by Anthony and, and by Woody. And, um, and Anthony pointed out that you know the approach that he was suggesting was very similar to the way that Bo did things with Stack PHP. So what well about Bo? Um, but there's these two major approaches to how you do things, and a lot of different implementations have done them either A or B or C or D or F. Um, 
when you are deciding on how to kind of shape the standard of PSR 15, uh, Woody, um, how do you decide how you weigh the existing implementations versus kind of telling them how to do stuff? So if there's a bunch of implementations out there that currently do things in one way, and then you create a standard that says you have to do it the other way, is is that going against the nature of the fig, which standardizes how things currently work, um, or or is that kind of um, helping people avoid the, the problems that have been discussed by you folks and giving them the chance to kind of move in a logical step forward to avoid just making shit code be the standard? Um, how do you weigh those up? <laughs> I, I mean, first of all, I don't think the fig has ever been in the position of just standardizing the status quo and calling it good. I think the fig acts as a roundtable and where everybody says, this is how we're doing things. And then they discuss what the best way to actually move forward is. Um, and I would say that's actively happening with, with PSR 15 and, and PSR 17 right now, um, because we did have the status quo of a double pass approach. Um, and then to look at how that works within Express and then to consider stack PHP and, and that approach um, and all of the concerns that Anthony raised, uh, you know, are, are totally valid. And so I, th- I think that's how we're, we're moving forward right now. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty happy with the, the process at this point. So to actually answer your question in terms of, you know, how are people going to feel about this? Um, part of the goal that I have with, with PSR 15 is as we get closer towards uh, an acceptance vote and actually saying that this is a published standard, is including methods and um, perhaps even some helper classes with the interfaces that will allow people to wrap their existing double double pass style middleware um, and get the correct the correct implementation out of it. Um, it's very it's it's trivial. It takes you know it's like ends up being about five lines of code um, to take an existing double pass middleware and wrap it in such a way that it can be executed in a lambda style. And so I think that's a going to be a good stepping stone for existing middlewares to um, publish uh, something that's compatible without having to worry about it too much and then gives them a road to, to move forward into a PSR 15 fully compatible middleware. So there, there's one thing I want to throw out here. Um, so you had said that there's really two predominant methods, the double pass and the Lambda style. There actually is a third one that's used by Rust um, in Iron, the Iron framework, which is, and I'll post the link in IRC, um, but the basic concept there is they have three different um, middleware. You have the what they call the around the middleware, which is basically the Lambda approach. You have the before middleware, which acts kind of like just a, a flat pipeline where you can modify the request so you can't touch the response because you don't get the response. All it is is called with the request. And then the after, which gets the request and the response, but altering the request does nothing. So basically, it sets up a pipeline where in the beginning, you can modify the request. In the middle, you can modify the request and the response. You can also short-circuit, et cetera. And then at the end, you can only modify the response, um, but the response is passed to you after it's been handled. So it kind of really sets up the three different contracts. And there was somebody who was looking to propose this as 15, um, but that kind of fell around. It's an interesting model, but it's also a lot more complicated. Yeah, it sounds a lot more complicated. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, I, that was proposed um, in part of the PSR 15 
uh, mailing list discussions. Um, somebody did mention that before. And I like it. It's well-structured. It's just very hard, especially with the existing implementations that are out there right now. It would be very hard to define um, a set of helpers that would easily translate those things right now. Um, and so I think you lose some of the flexibility that you that we currently have in the PSR 15 Lambda style spec by introducing more layering and more structure around it to, to adopt that style. All right, so I want to pose uh, another question. Uh, I'll throw this up to Bo. Are there any current issues with the PSR as you see it? Anything that you're concerned about or want to address before it moves forward? Honestly, one of the things that I did with PSR 7 was I tried to not get too involved in the daily switchings of everything around. <laughs> um, just because it's it's the, the people who are actually working on it more actively um, are fielding a lot of stuff and a lot of things end up getting changed. So uh, I definitely like the direction that things are going now. It feels more comfortable based on being similar to Stack. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's going in the right direction. So I, I, I don't think that anything needs to change. I don't think it's finished yet, uh, but it definitely seems like it's going in the right direction. All right, Anthony, any changes you would like to see or any concerns? No, I mean, I think the recent iterations, we could bike shed on stupid things like naming conventions or something like that. But honestly, that's, I don't think that's worth the time and effort that it takes to go down that. Um, structurally, it looks a heck of a lot better. Um, you know, from a type safety standpoint, everything is enforceable, where everything's analyzable, which were two of my big concerns with, with the original proposal. Um, and it looks like it's structured well and documented well. Um, I haven't really dug too deep onto the the rest of the proposal outside of the middleware. Um, that's something that's been on my list for too long, but um, otherwise, yeah, no, it seems good to me. By the rest of the proposal, are you referring to PSR 17? No, no I was more specifically talking about the, um, I forget what you called it, the interface that runs the middleware. Uh, the frame frame interface? No, or the no. container? The container. The stack container? Yeah, yeah that, that was it. Sure. Again, not not seeing anything wrong with it, just I haven't looked at it too, too deeply because the initial right. path itself looks reasonable. Yeah, I mean, that is really the kind of one remaining issue is deciding if PSR 15 should also define a, a middleware container um, as the entry point and for part, part of the frame or not. Um, I don't feel like there's a strong resolution one way or the other. Um, personally, I feel like it's important uh, just because it illustrates some of the reasoning around why the middleware interfaces are defined the way that they are, and having client versus server middleware. Um, but we'll see how that how that plays out. It may be that there is no interface. There's just documentation around what the code could potentially look like. Um, so I think that's that's um, important. Um, we just quickly clarify yeah. terminology. I'm glad I looked at the code for this. Sure. Frame, is that the snapshot of the stream at that point in time, or what is the frame? Okay. Um, right, so there's the middleware interface itself, uh, which takes a request. It's a function that takes a request and a frame interface and produces a response interface. The frame interface is essentially what the callable next was yeah. in, in Express. So rather than just having a plain callable, um, we've defined a, a a frame interface, which then you pass the request onto to continue processing 
the, the middleware. And if you don't call the frame interface, then you're essentially aborting early and cutting off the pipeline and, and turning it around at that point rather than allowing the, the stack to, to finish. Okay, so does it completely kill the stack or does it kill that iteration? So like what happens in an async environment where you might have more than one frame at once? Um, in, a, in a middleware system, in this, you would, there might be multiple frames, but uh, it would just be that particular call path. Okay. So that particular call path for the pipeline, by not calling the next frame interface, you're aborting early. So that's the type of situation where, you know, if you run okay, into, so it is like if you a, have caching or something, then like you would say. that you're popping on and off of? Is that basically it? Um, we use the term stack just because of stack PHP. Um, uh, I think it's it's sort of familiar. It's not a traditional stack. It's not a traditional queue because it's more like an onion, um, you know, which yeah. has been kind of the analogy for a long time. You And so each layer of the onion is what we call a frame. And so that frame interface is giving you the pathway into the next layer of the onion um, going down. And then when you return, you're exiting out layers of the onion. Did you want to add something to that, Anthony? Yeah, Maybe you have a better analogy. Well, no, no. I was just to say more formally, it's a proxy design pattern from Gang of Four, um, nice. where e- each middleware becomes a proxy for either the middleware underneath it or the ultimate handler that the framework or whatever it is is implementing. Um, really straightforward. And you know, some of them look like decorators if they just always pass, but the proxies, the superset thereof. Right, and that kind of explains, you know, why we're we're having this debate about what what the naming, you know, the bike shedding issue that Anthony was talking about earlier is kind of about this. How do we name things so that people understand what we're talking about when we say frames and we have a stack container and we're doing next and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I wanted to kind of pause there because um, my brain goes to a certain place when you say stack and frame, but that apparently wasn't correct. So, thank you. Mm-hmm. So I actually do have a question about the, the proposal, and it's, it's somewhat related to what Anthony mentioned about the iron uh, framework stuff. I just checked that out, and it has it has this notion of a handler in it. Uh, is there anything in PSR 15 that is close to the handler, like the, the final thing, what we would look at as like a controller or something like that? Yeah, not at all. Um, mm-hmm. PSR 15 and HTTP middleware in general uh, has avoided that completely, um, and I would say that our meta document doesn't explicitly say this, but that's a non uh, a non goal for PSR fifteen. We are absolutely not trying to specify what the innermost handler looks like and how you would actually end up calling your domain level code. So any middleware at any point, you know, whatever the final middleware is in your in your stack or your queue, however you want to talk about it, would be the one that would be responsible for ultimately calling the domain code. Um, we did also have a question that came in on IRC here. Uh, the question was, what is the preferred place for review and feedback right now? Um, GitHub, if you read through the proposals and you see a typo, um, you can comment on GitHub. I don't think there's any open pull requests right now, but generally speaking, any feedback you have should go to the PHP fig mailing list. Uh, creating issues on GitHub will not be useful at this point. So please post the mailing list if you have some feedback or something you want to uh, say about PSR 15 or 17. Is there a discussion for people should reply in or should they start a new topic? Yep, we do have a PSR 15 um, feedback, I think it is called. 
Um, so the, yes, there is an th- existing thread for, for that. Um, I should also mention, you know, we've been kind of, we've been talking about PSR 17, but we haven't actually defined what that is. Yeah. Um, you know, as I was saying earlier, you know, it became clear that we have a factory problem in middleware because if we need to generate a response, which is what the current proposal says we need to do, the only way to do that without being bound to a specific implementation of PSR 7 is to have a factory. And so PSR 17, um, numbering not necessarily a coincidence, is essentially an extension to PSR 7 that defines a set of factory interfaces for creating uh, PSR 7 HTTP message objects. And, um, you know, I, I see these two proposals as being essentially sister proposals. They really, PSR 17 is ultimately going to have to be released before or at the same time as PSR 15 for it to be really effective um, because we need that method. We need a method. We need an interface. We need some sort of contract by which we can create new, particularly stream objects, but really all PSR 7 objects for, for this to be really successful. Um, so there's a set, there's one interface for each, um, one interface, one factory interface for each of the um, message objects that defines the minimum viable um, parameters that must be passed for it to be a valid um, object. For instance, in a response, you have to have a status code. Um, you don't have to have content because a 201, 201 created or a 204, no content, doesn't have any content. And so the status code is the only thing that is necessary in that kind of a situation. Um, other interfaces define the requirements, you know, for a file uploaded um, implementation, there's a lot more requirements. Um, so that's what PSR 17 is, is HTTP factory proposal, which also has been um, passed the entrance vote and is in editing stage right now. Have you looked at that at all, Anthony? Are you... I, I took I mean, a casual look when I first saw it, and it looked straightforward enough. I mean, the biggest question that's been coming up with that is, is how do we define what the minimum requirements are? And so it's been a lot of looking at the current existing popular implementations and, and how they um, differ and, and what they what their requirements are and that sort of thing. I mean, that, that's the difficult part with it all, right? I mean, you have to have it usable when it comes out of the factory, but at the same token, um, you don't want to set too much and you don't want to be too overly draconian about it. You know, it might be worthwhile um, to actually split it apart and have two sets of factories. Um, one that's a um, more of a traditional factory where you just take in just the parameters and you let the user wire it up, kind of like what you have now, but then also take another approach of a builder, which solves some of the stateless problems that people have been bringing up about PSR7, which, like for example, I don't believe is a problem, but some people do cite that it creates a lot of unnecessary objects, so it might be worthwhile creating a builder as well that could present something like a fluid interface that you call build at the very end to get you back that completed object. I don't know, just you know, throwing things out here right now. Right, yeah, somebody actually commented on that early on um, when the, the factory was proposed, and they you know, basically said, why, why isn't it a builder? Um, and my response at that point was that HTTP messages are essentially builders in and of themselves. Once you have the minimum requirements, you know, all of the width um, methods are creating new objects and are effectively your builder for you. So to have to define all of those methods and then force all the PSR7 implementations to 
or not force, but ask them to implement all these additional builder methods when they're sort of baked into PSR7 didn't make a lot of sense to me. Maybe I just haven't seen a, a good argument for them, for them, but at this point, I, I don't really see why that would be a, a necessity. But who knows? If somebody has a good example, I'd love to hear about it. I'm actually pretty excited about the factories. Uh, all of the PSR7 work that I've been doing, both from the client side and on the server side, a lot of it has been kind of tricky trying to construct the objects, but not really constructing them, but taking something that's already there and changing it the right way. Um, and it's, it's one of the, the weird things if you look at, say, like a URI, and if you consider that we're kind of treating the PSR messages as value objects, if you change, say, just the host first, you haven't really created a, a consistent, correct URI anymore. It, it's not correct until you then also change the path, maybe, or then also maybe the scheme. So it is interesting that they, people do treat them sort of as builder objects, and it can be really easy to think that you know you're doing something safe with these objects, but it does feel a little dirty sometimes when you're when you're trying to work with an existing object and just changing the bits around, and now you've got something new. And but in between there, you didn't have something that was correct. It's kind of it's it's been kind of awkward to, to go through some of that. So I'm hoping to see that the the factory sort of remove that sort of awkwardness from from working with PSR seven. Yeah, and I, you know, I think in general, I think people have, um, what was I going to say? Uh, people have made the assumption, uh, PSR7 implementations have made the assumption that they kind of have to do their best to create valid things at creation when an object is instantiated. And so if you look at like Guzzle's uh, URI implementation or Slim or um, Diactoros, like they all have to end up making these certain assumptions in order to try and create something that's valid based on what you pass in, or even just if you don't pass in anything, you know, they kind of have to fake a sort of a valid thing, or they have to throw exceptions when you try to build a URI that's invalid, and it's kind of been a mess. So I am also hopeful that PSR 17 will kind of help make that a little bit more clear, and by having a standard, we'll have somewhat of a more consistent uh, approach to those to those value objects. As somebody asked on IRC, um, notable people in the community have been frowning upon the idea of, of standardizing factories. Could anyone elaborate on why that would be considered a bad idea? Um, I haven't been hearing uh, specific concerns about that. So if, you know, <laughs> if anybody else has wants to take a gander that I have I don't have anything to add about that. I think that uh, PSR seventeen is a, a good addition to what we already have with PSR seven and helps um, address the ambiguity and because we don't have a, a common implementation to work with, it's uh, the best we can do. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a stab at that. I'm not the biggest fan of standardizing factories and in general um, because I think it removes a lot of the design pressure to build simple systems. Um, once you start saying, well, we can add a factory to make it easy, all of a sudden the complexity of what you're introducing, what you're trying to standardize goes through the roof. I don't think that's the situation here. I think the situation here is you have a complex domain. I mean, HTTP messages, if you've ever read the spec, it's a very, very, very complicated domain. PSR7 does a great job trying to simplify it, but there's only so much simplification you can do. And therefore, adding a, um, a factory as the realization that the domain is overly complicated. Um, in general, I would try to avoid it because I think good object-oriented designs 
shouldn't need it. Um, but I think this is just one of those cases where the underlying domain is the problem, meaning to solve that problem, we'd have to fix HTTP itself, which isn't happening. Yeah, I mean, on that, you know, you know internals better than I do, Anthony. Do you think that there, I can't remember the name of the RFC now, um, RFC that was basically proposing functions that could implement class interfaces would be a, kind of a good middle ground for, for some of these systems where you don't necessarily want to rely on another package and a whole set of classes for a factory, but then you can use these um, these functions that implement existing interfaces to, to do the work for you? I see zero benefit to it. Um, you know, with anonymous classes, what is the benefit you save one declaration line of instantiation? Um, but what do you gain from it? You gain a lot less type safety. You get a lot more complicated of a type system. I, I wasn't a fan of that when I saw it. Um, the one that I think would be ridiculously helpful here, yet um, nobody on internals that I've seen seems to appreciate the power of and hence argue very vehemently against it or algebraic types. So very specifically um, intersection types in this case, because then you could define your factories as literal single interfaces with a single method, making them really easy to implement. And then when you're building your middleware, you just type in against the specific one that you need rather than the whole collection of them. And then hence, you know, interface segregation principle really becomes really, really, really powerful. Um, and it works both ways on the and and on the or to say, you know, I want I want a URI and a and a request factory. And you can get them an object that implements all five of them, but um, I don't know, it, it's that particular one I think would be a lot, lot, lot more useful yet. The type system kind of continues to have no strong direction other than who's willing to drive it though. So. Right. And it, I mean in some ways it does add a additional level of user complexity, which I mean, that is, it, that's just a matter of users getting used to it and understanding it, but um, it is, it does add a level of complexity to the type system that we don't currently have. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of running out of things to, to talk right. about. You know, I think that's kind of where we're, where we're at with um, HTTP middleware, and I'm excited to see it get wrapped up along with um, HTTP factory, and I hope that if people have feedback about it, they will come to the mailing list or message me on Twitter or something and let me know. Sweet. One last question. Oh, um, you have been working on Middleware stuff for a, for a fairly long time, and, and as part of Stack PHP, uh, what are some of the coolest middlewares that you saw people make? Because there's, there's been a whole bunch of stuff on there. There's, there's OAuth, there's all sorts of things. What do you, what do you like? Oh, wow. And what, a... what do you think? I can just give you an extra <laughs> rambling. It's like a lot of people think about middleware and they're like, I don't know what you're fucking talking about. What is middleware? What can it be used for? While we've been talking about this for the last hour, we haven't actually talked about a use case of what it might actually be used for. So um, if you could kind of think of a few that you've used it for, uh, and even if not in PHP, in like other languages. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's one, one of the interesting ones that is a little easier for people to follow, I think, is like a GeoIP sort of thing where each request can get a IP address uh, header added to the request when it's inbound. Uh, those sorts of things aren't necessarily safe. Uh, you shouldn't use those uh, for any actual security things. But if you need extra metadata, that's the kind of thing that you can add uh, pretty easily to a middleware. Um, just add it before you pass it on to Next, and you're good to go. Um, I think Cores is an interesting middleware. It's probably the most useful one that I've seen. 
Um, I think there there might be a PSR7 implementation of that now as well. Um, I, I wrote a simple little fake one to just automatically whitelist everything. Um, and that was really interesting to just be able to write that in like seven lines of code and all of a sudden my app was cores aware in development completely open for the world, you know? Um, yeah. What's another interesting one? Oh, uh, probably my favorite middleware was one fixing Diacteros cookies. Um, I was using uh, request instead of server request, and Diacteros for a little while didn't actually store cookies. Like, it didn't transfer the cookies uh, super global into the header when you generated um, uh, a request from from global. Um, so I, I wrote a, a little middleware that looked to see if... I, I can't remember exactly how I fixed them. Basically, I was able to patch Diacteros' implementation locally uh, to automatically write the cookie headers for me. Oh, um, yeah, so, so those, those are the types of things that middle, like the, this whole idea of middleware is kind of abstract, but you can find a lot of ways to, to use it once you start digging around and realize you, get to, you can do whatever you want to to the messages before, you, before your controller actually gets them, and you can do whatever you want to after you know, the controller creates a response. So you can do a lot of really interesting and useful things once you start thinking about things at that level. Yeah, I mean, we... By we, I mean the company I work for. We actually have a framework, a PSR7 framework that's out there right now called Equip, um, which we're actively building some microservices on. And we've done everything from um, token-based authentication to routing um, to session management, um, all through middleware. We basically use middleware as effectively the entirety of the framework. And then we just have one, one middleware that's uh, specific to our needs that then calls into the domain code and just fetches a, a blob of data. Um, content negotiation and everything is, is done in the middleware. So the middleware, once that blob of data is coming back out, um, the middleware actually looks at the, the headers and decides what content type to format it as. So we have a number of different formatters. You know, We can format as... Uh, JSON in JSON API format or XML or HTML um, and we don't have to worry about that. We just rely on the incoming request to decide what content type it wants and if we don't understand the content type that the client is asking for, we just give them JSON because that makes sense. Yeah, it's pretty much what we've done as well. We, we've built uh, our entire stack off of uh, PSR7 middleware so there isn't actually a full framework anywhere. There isn't even really a micro framework just a collection of, of uh, PSR7 middleware. Uh, they're using the double pass uh, format right now, but uh, as soon as PSR7 15, or PSR15 gets completed, we'll probably just switch everything over, and I don't imagine that would take longer than half a day to switch everything. So, yeah, it's, it's, you can build the entire application just based off of PSR7-based PSR, uh, middleware. Yeah, and that's what I think is so cool about the ecosystem. You know, if we end up in a situation where you can just pick and choose middlewares that you need um, building effectively a quote-unquote full-stack framework um, becomes super fast because you can just decide what what kind of middleware you need in order to, to build that, whether you need content negotiation or cores or whatever else, and you just pull it in and uh, write your domain stuff and, and throw a blob of data back out and, and everything just uh, works as kind of the holy grail I see. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the major benefits I see of, of the Middle West stuff in general. I think it's one of the, the most um, 
accurate to the goals of what the fig was set up for in in general of all of the things to come. I know a lot of people think that the fig should have you know um, shut up after after it did like PSR zero and maybe PSR one, and then after that PSR two was probably done. Uh, but um, I think a lot of frameworks have re-implemented a lot of the same basic functionality over and over again. So stuff like cause, a lot of frameworks have released and they're like, oh, actually, we don't know how you do cause. Figure that shit out yourself. And in other versions of Laravel, you'd have to like make a specific route file that would handle all options, and then it would kind of do some stuff from there, and you do it yourself. And then eventually, they're like, "Oh, that sucks. Let's add this feature in," and they work on it. They're like, "Ah, it we can do better than that. Let's try and do it again." And they slowly improve it over time. And they have got all these different frameworks working on all these identical features and over and over again. When they could just be like, "Ah, we'll just include this thing that does that." <laughs> and I think that's exactly what what the fig is about. Is about not. Um, it's about making it so the PHP ecosystem can provide the functionality itself that can be used by the entire PHP ecosystem instead of making every single framework reinvent and re-envision uh, re and re-implement every single feature over and over and over again ad nauseum and then redo it for later versions and then redo it again. Because um, if there's 10 different frameworks and they all have three different versions, that's 30 different versions of the same bloody feature. So I'm, um, I'm very happy to see the fig working on middleware stuff. Yes. Well, and the other thing that I would stress is to look outside of the ecosystem. Um, you know, think outside of your application process boundary. All of the middleware, by definition, if it's modelable as an HTTP message, you can model your middleware as a separate application, that proxy. Um, you know, Varnish is a perfect example of the caching middleware. It takes in a request. It might return a, re a response that was cached. It might forward it along get the, the response, cache it internally, and then return it. It's doing the exact same thing that the PHP code is doing. You know, and it's funny that, um, I believe it was what you mentioned, that you have middleware doing authentication for you, et cetera. Um, at my gig here at Grovo, internally, we're using a services-oriented architecture. We've got different, uh, we've got about 25 to 30 different microservices between Go, Scala, and PHP, PHP 7. And the interesting thing is, if we took that approach and doing it in code, you'd have a lot of duplication because you'd have to handle authentication at every single service. And instead, what we did, and I'll post the link into um, into the IRC channel, is we picked a application called Pike, which is an API, API gateway, which in a sense is just an HTTP middleware. And in fact, it has internal middleware that you can run as well, written in Go. Um, but the, the, the concept is it handles all of our OAuth termination for us at the boundary. It handles rate limiting at the boundary. It handles all sorts of stuff, it, uh, but it's just another middleware. And it's the same exact application architecture if you did it in your PHP application inside of a file as if you have it as a separate service running somewhere else. It's the exact same model. Um, and to me, there's some beautiful symmetry in that. You know, I, I like architectures that show symmetry and show patterns. And the fact that there's such a reverberating pattern to this, um, I don't know, really intrigues me and really shows that it's onto something interesting. Sweet. And on that note, <laughs> I think we've hit an hour exactly, which is pretty rare. Normally we either run out of things that are interesting to say or bang the fuck on for two hours, but um, that's that's been a pretty good chat about BSR, uh, HTTP Midwest stuff. Wow. I know a lot of people haven't been following the ongoing discussion and probably won't want to follow the entire discussion for the entire way through because these PSRs take a lot of work. They take a lot of time. Um, I'm, I'm happy to see that there's so many different people with different approaches that are, are starting 
starting to come together and work past the problems, get past maybe the heated parts and, and onto the, the constructive part that comes after that. Um, and, and I'm really confident that this PSR won't be a repeat of the cash PSR that took, I think it took 24 years. Is that, is that accurate? I think it's 24, uh, 25 somewhere, but I'm, I'm glad to see that we're doing a lot better. And when I say we, I mean you guys, because I have piss all to do with the fig these days, apart from being a, uh, an, an observer, spectator, and commentator. Um, <laughs> but you're doing, a, you're doing a wonderful job. Um, and on that note, I'm going to bed, because it's quarter past one. England just lost to Iceland, for fuck's sake. And I'm tired and drunk. Goodbye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. <laughs> uh,